Ben Buddy Slack grew up hearing the sounds of Bruce Springsteen around the house. When he started listening to music himself, whenever he came across a Springsteen record, he'd be like, oh wow, he did this one as well. He had no idea that all the tracks that he grew up listening to were by the same person. And I was immediately like always drawn to the stories of songs, thinking about, I wonder how he wrote this and how did this story come about? He loved writing stories when he was a kid. There was even a time when he wanted to be Stephen King, writing novels and stuff like that. When Ben was about 13, he would go to watch his Uncle Mick play gigs in pubs. As a 13-year-old, he thought being in a pub was pretty cool. And then he saw his uncle up on stage. Everyone was singing along with him. And Ben was in awe. One year, Ben was at a New Year's Eve party in Edinburgh, where his Uncle Mick got his guitar out and started to play. The next thing he knew was that that party got lively. Vibes on vibes on vibes. Ben thought the way his uncle picked this thing up out of a box and made everyone go wild was some kind of superpower. It was the coolest thing he'd ever seen. He wanted to do it too. Ben had some Christmas money left over that year, so he bought his first guitar. And obviously, Uncle Mick taught him how to play. They'd meet at his grandma's house and jam there. Ben's grandma wasn't a musician, but she just loved being around music. Fast forward to a few years later, when Ben started his own band, which is still going now, by the way. They wanted to make it big, go on tours, release albums, all of that. Somehow, Ben fell into community music work. Next thing you know, he's working on a project with young offenders who needed a hand with songwriting. Ben's original obsession. Ben ran music sessions in the Young Offenders Institute for two years, where he never met anyone who didn't love Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Look it up if you don't know it, but you definitely should. Soon enough, Ben was working on community songwriting projects. That was it. Songwriting was his thing. Never mind being Stephen King. Ben saw that songwriting was therapeutic for the people he worked with, as well as for himself. He just had a way of getting deeply emotional things out of people. In 2017, Ben founded the Swan Song Project, a national lottery-funded charity that gives people facing end-of-life care the opportunity to write and record their own song as a way of processing what's happening to them and leaving behind something for loved ones to keep their memory alive. I didn't know where the term swan song came from. Apparently swans sing a final song before they pass on. Hang on, did I skip the part about how Ben got the idea for the swan song project? In 2014, three years before he started the project, Ben's grandma died. I used to play with my uncle a lot. We'd play at grandma's house, we'd meet there and play. And my grandma was an old Irish lady, and so I was saying, you know, she used to sit in the corner and sing along with us. And when she died, like a few days before she died, she was in the care home and she was pretty much non-responsive at this point. And we all sat there and me and Mick started singing the Black Velvet Band to her, which is an old traditional Irish song, it was always her favourite. And it was like her face kind of lit up and she was like, I was holding her hand and she started kind of tapping her finger. And it was one of those moments where like, it was just like this really special memory at the end of her life. A while after that, me and my mum were talking about her and saying how nice that was, how special a thing it was. 
And I was thinking, like, oh, imagine if I'd recorded Grandma singing, how nice a thing that would have been to have had. And then as a songwriter, I was obviously like, oh, I wonder if Grandma would, if she'd written a song and what, what she would have said in it. And, yeah. And like when we get together now, playing the Black Rabbit Band always feels like, oh, I'll play a song for Grandma. But if she'd written a song herself, how much better that would have been to like, oh, let's play Grandma's song. And I just wondered what she would have said if she'd had that chance, because she was such a character. Like she used to call me uh, Benji Bumblebee. And when I'd go around, she'd always say, Benji Bumblebee came to visit me and made a cup of tea. That was, <laughs> so I always imagined that would be part of the song. Yeah. Way. But anyways, I was thinking about all that stuff. And then I was just like, it just kind of clicked of like, actually, I know how to write songs with people. I wonder if people who are getting near the end of their lives might like a chance to do this. And I had like six months or so to a year where I had the idea. And I was I remember nervously asking my friends, like, I've got this idea. Do you think it's to work? People kept being like, no, it sounds great. Man. Yeah, you should give it a go. So eventually I built it up and I contacted the local hospices here in Leeds and Bradford. And they were all like, yeah, it sounds good. We should, should give it a go. And then, yeah, we got started. I was so nervous that first day. Like, I just didn't know. They were just like, oh, come in. You can meet some patients. See if anybody wants to do it. A couple of people wanted to do it and we got started. And it's just kind of gone from there, really. Yeah. It's nearly five years ago now. My family's very musical. And my granddad passed away about 10 years ago. His song would have been hilarious to listen to. <laughs> And my grandma's sort of at that stage where she's like non-responsive. So I think it would have been really nice to have done that with them. So Ben started out working with hospice patients. The original idea was that the Swan Song Project would be for people who were approaching the end of their lives. Ben would be at the hospice and get introduced to new people, like kids visiting their grandma. If they liked music, they would get asked if they would want to do a song with Ben. It'd be something fun for them to do when they were at the hospice. So they'd write songs about their parents or grandparents. And that was how the Swan Songs Project services expanded. Now they write songs with bereaved people immediately after someone has died, or even years afterwards. Because everyone deals with things in their own time. The process is pretty similar most of the time. But it's different when I work with kids. With them, I'd normally teach them a bit more music. Partly because it's harder to hold attention with children on focusing on writing lyrics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I teach them ukuleles and things like that and you can just have a lot of fun with kids just making noise. <laughs> I think that's a, a really healthy way to deal with grief as well. And I probably would have liked that when I was younger because I think when my granddad died, I must have been between like 10 and 12. Mm. And he was very musical and I wasn't. So I feel like that would have turned it into a sort of healthy coping mechanism. Yeah. You know? And especially if he was musical, it's like you're taking on something that... Yeah, That's, uh, that was important to him and, and following on and so I would have felt yeah. like yeah and just connected to him in that way what, yeah. what kind of music do you play? he used to do the steel drums obviously I'm oh, like nice. Caribbean so he used to do the steel drums I think he used to do ukulele as well and guitar just anything have the attention on him basically yeah. make as much noise as possible <laughs> just so everyone was looking at him <laughs> yeah um, so this would have been literally perfect for him I'd love to do a song um, with steel drums <laughs> that would be so cool So you know how Ben works with kids who write songs for their family members? He also works with parents at the end of their lives who want to write songs for their kids. Alyssa's dad, Paul, met Ben at the hospice. Paul was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis when he was in his 40s. He'd been in the hospice a long time and turned down every form of therapy that was offered to him. One day, he casually mentioned to someone that he played the guitar. Word got back to Ben and he went to meet him. They spoke about Alyssa. Paul knew his little girl was going to grow up without him being there. And he wanted her to remember him and pass on some lessons that he wouldn't be around to teach. So they started working on her song. 
and it was a hard song to write. It took us quite a long time to get it right. And that was that had some really funny ones in it. It had some really cute lyrics and things like that. But the chorus was, uh, yeah, my little bit of perfection was the chorus line of it. And then, yeah, he died a couple of years ago. We actually just did a video not long ago with his wife and daughter, who's now a few years older. The daughter would sing the song around the house. And it's like, it's just so nice that she'd you know, be singing this song about how much her dad loved her. And uh, children process grief in a very different way than we do. So I think that as she's getting older now, it's hitting her more that, you know, that her dad isn't there. But mum was saying that they put on the song when she's struggling and it's like she's connected to him again. And uh, mm-hmm. the songs live forever so that 20, 30 years time, she's still, still be able got to that song and she'll be able to listen to it and still remember these things that were really important that her dad wanted her to know about. Yeah. There's all these things about, you know, that he wanted her to be happy and things like that. And I just love the idea that she'll have that forever. Against that legacy thing, isn't it? And people feeling like they're still being around in a way. Yeah, but much better than just a picture, isn't it? More personal. And there's something I was thinking about, like, because you can sing songs again, and every time you sing it, you breathe a new life into it. Yeah. And it might change a little bit. Like, every time you do it, you might do it a bit faster, a bit slower, or things like that. So it feels like it does feel like a very live thing Mm -hmm. that that person is very connected to. And yeah, something like that. (laughs) Ben's day job isn't exactly what you would call conventional. I'm sure he raises a few eyebrows when he tells people what he does for a living. I wonder if there's anyone else out there doing the same thing. When I go to things where you meet people for the first time, like, you know, like went to a wedding a few months ago and then when you introduce me to someone, what are you doing? Like, oh, I'm in a charity where I help people who are dying to write songs. And they're like, what? <laughs> you kind of forget that like, oh yeah, this isn't like working in the supermarket or something like this is a bit different. I'm lucky Emily, my, my fiance, she works at a hospice as well. We talk about death quite a lot because that's both of our work involves it a lot. So sometimes I think I forget that other people don't live in that world. So talking about death to them is quite emotional and quite difficult at times. When Ben started working with people at end of life care, he wasn't sure about what he was getting himself into. He had an idea and ran with it. So when the day came to work with his first songwriters, he was a bit nervous. I had not done much work with people at end of life or anything, so I didn't know much about it. I just really didn't want to make anything worse for anyone. I yeah. was like, you know, this should be a positive experience but I don't want to make anyone's life any more difficult than it is in this time but kind of had a word myself before about a few things like just very kind of accepting that I don't know anything about their experience so I'm just going to have to you know let them express it and I'll try and understand it as best I can and be willing to ask questions and not be afraid to feel a bit stupid if I don't know anything about it one of the things that I was talking about this with someone the other day that was really hard was you know that kind of natural instinct to try and make the best of things i'll see the bright side when people say things to you yeah but sometimes when people say like i've just been told i've got a few weeks left to live it's yeah. like there's nothing that you can't be like well at least it's not raining yeah <laughs> it's like, kind of like yeah. yeah there's just it is just a, a hard situation you've got to just sit with it so learning to deal with some of those conversations and they're still they're still ones that throw me all the time and because everyone's situation is different sometimes you just hear someone's story and you're like it's just so hard for them no, I think I would panic, like you say, like trying to say something good or rather than just listening. So I think it's like a real skill to be able to do that because I'd just be like, I don't even know what is like, what do I even say yeah. to make it better? But it's not really about making it better though, is it? That's it. I think that the way I think about it now, what, what people have said to me about it who have you know, from those situations is that, yeah, they know that, you know, you can't say anything that's going to make it better, but they appreciate you being there. And then they might just want to talk about something silly that happens a lot as well, like some really bad news and she's like, What's your favourite favourite Pringles? <laughs> like that. It's just, you know, something to lighten the mood a bit. But that's been a really steep learning curve of uh, being there in those situations with people. On Ben's first day of the Swan Song Project, he worked with two people. 
there was a lady called Julie whose song came together in two sessions. The idea was that the message would be something along the lines of, I'll still be with you and I'll still be around. So they wrote a song called I'll Be Looking Down. Alan's song was for his wife and it spanned, I think it was 35 years of marriage. Julie came in and like was pretty quick, like I heard a song this the other day, I'd love to have my own one of this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in that kind of style and that kind of message. Whereas Alan's was like, I don't really know what I want to write, I want to write a song for my wife, but I don't know what I want to say. So we just sat and chatted for ages and he told me all, all about his marriage and different things. And um, so Alan's one's very lyrical, it's quite a long song. It traces a full marriage, so there's loads of detail in it about these different stages of their life. And Alan sung it himself, which was just insane. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> and I remember getting home when we recorded it, and I played it for Emily, yeah, and just bursting into tears. Yeah. <laughs> it was a powerful, powerful song. And I'm so proud of what we've achieved and learned. Strength in you. So remember the good times as you face the unknown. Do you ever feel like that when you're with the person, though? Because even talking about it now, I feel like I want to cry. So do you ever find it hard when you're with that person, or is it just like, I've got to be strong? Yeah, sometimes, but most of the time I've been able to hold it together so far, and I think that's it. I think in my mind it's like, if they're getting upset, I'm trying to support them in a way. One of the Swan Song's values is authenticity and like being authentic. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I very much have to be authentic so if i if i'm getting upset then that's that's fine i can say that to them i'm saying yeah like yeah it has to be that organic natural thing i think having the process to work on so if sometimes we're getting really emotional about something we're talking about sometimes you know it's good to stay with it and work through that but sometimes it's like i well, should we have a break from that and let's let's think about the tune or something like that. let's think about the rhythm let's listen to a song mm -hmm. um that we might you know reference in some way so it's like you can move around so if you're getting really stuck in something you can just be like well let's just take a break from that and mm -hmm and come back to it later maybe you said you didn't really get that much training how did you learn to work with such like a sensitive you just did it just, just did it and just yeah it's like i'm sure there's lots of times where i put my foot in it and then, but i guess people are also very honest when they're at the end of their life so people generally be quite frank with you about stuff and again i remember in my head being like you just have to to learn and not take anything too personally or anything yeah. like that but again it's not like i'm a master at it or anything now i still feel like every session's different and different things come up and again i just really feel like i'm trying my best to manage it one of the big things is that I, I really think of it as I'm writing a song as I would with anyone. So if like a famous songwriter got in touch and wanted to write a song with me, I'd feel like I'd do it the same mm -hmm. in a way. I don't feel like it's a teacher and pupil type thing where I'm like, I'm going to show you how to write a song today. Yeah. It's like, how are we going to write a song? Let's, you know, so like the process is very real like that. So I don't know if that makes me just feel more relaxed with it because I've done that for so long. I feel like I'm in my natural life, even when the content's emotional. Yeah, I don't know. You're doing what you love to do, so... Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I don't think I could write the kind of songs that Ben writes, but Ben thinks that everyone has a swan song in them. You know, everyone has unique life experiences and unique ways of expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of trying to find those things and what means something to someone. So like sometimes we'll have a conversation and I'm taking notes. What I'm looking for in some ways is anything they say what is like, unusual or unique or they might have a turn of phrase that I've not heard before Yeah. or describe someone in a certain way they might have a nickname for someone I was like oh that's really nice can you tell me more about that so it's those things that are really personal what I'm looking for a lot sometimes you see someone's like face light up or you see that kind of flicker in the eye when they talk about something it might be like talk about the dog and they're like oh and you're like oh I just you know, noticed that that's a lyric yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like that feels like something that's important to you Yeah. Um, would you like to maybe write about that we'll get a load of content out a load of ideas and a load of stories and things like that and then I'm looking for patterns 
to piece it together. Yeah. So that's part of my skill set is knowing how a song might be structured. And then I can say, like, so we've talked about these things. So what we might do as a song is we might have this could be a chorus. Then we could have verse one would be about this and verse two would be about this and verse three would be about this. Mm-hmm. And I also I like to use reference songs, we call them. So, like, I'd say to people, oh, tell me about a few songs that you, that you really like. Yeah. And they might listen to them together and say, oh, well, so what he's done here is... You know, he's got a verse here, and but the chorus is a really short part here, or the chorus doesn't come into this part. And so you can kind of pinch structures in a way. And people pretend really like that, because then it's like, oh, we're going to write a song the same way Leonard Cohen wrote a song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're going to use a similar structure that he did. So I wonder what my granddad would have put in his song if he had one. I feel like his sort of vibe would be, You'll be so sad without me. I am the best singer ever. Listen to my musical talents. It'll be that kind of vibe. He's a Leo just like me. Kathy Amer used to be a singer. She sung at school, studied music management at university, played in a couple of bands, and then grew out of the whole singing thing. Music used to help Kathy connect with people. But once she hit her 30s, she wanted to explore other parts of herself. Things just felt different. In August last year, Kathy was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and started chemotherapy. She had also lost her dad, Dr. Benedict Abakpa, a few months earlier in March. It was a rough time and she was going through everything alone. Her family were all in Nigeria. She reached out for some talk therapy that led her to Maggie's Hospice in Leeds, where she met a lady called Amanda who pulled out a roster of activities. That was when Kathy saw something about the Swan Project. She hadn't really come to terms with losing her dad, so Kathy decided she would write a song for him. She filled in a form, and because we were all in a pandemic, she started writing the song with Ben over Zoom. He explained to me how the songwriting process works, and so he says, "Okay, let's talk about the music. Do you have any previous songs you've started writing that you've not finished?" And and one particular song came to my mind and that was one of the songs that my dad loves the most that I've written. He and my mom are my number one fans. And that song was the one that kept playing in my head every time I thought about my dad. Because you see, I still feel my dad around me and that was the particular song that I kept hearing his voice saying, oh, I like that one. You remember, I like that one, you know? I said, you know what, I'm going to rewrite this song for Daddy. It's funny, my dad's name is also Ben, isn't it? So it's quite a nice coincidence. And so I I sang the song for him and he was like, wow, that's really good. So he said, write down the lyrics, let me see them. And he says, okay, we're going to write some more. And he starts asking me, what do you remember about your dad? What do you want to say to him? I'd literally close my eyes and just start talking and he'll be writing it out as well. It felt really good because I could feel my dad receiving it. Kathy wrote a song called Memories for her dad. And every lyric has a memory associated with it. I hold on tightly to this memory. I hold on tightly to this memory go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep what you've done today is enough because i was born in the uk and then i worked in lagos as a radio presenter for a while i moved back home with my mom and dad i was just the three of us and at night i always had trouble sleeping 
and I'd be up doing one thing or the other or interviewing someone or writing a blog for someone just just up till like 2 3 a.m I'd still be just roaming around the house like a psycho and he'd wake up then he'd be like you need to go to sleep you need to sleep you need to sleep and that's almost every night he would convince me to go to sleep he would say what you've done today is enough tomorrow is another day and it didn't matter whether all I did that day was eat and sleep. As far as it's concerned, I'm the most hardworking person in the world. I'm the best daughter in the universe and I deserve to sleep. And that was what made me think about that. Turn my night to day, I hold on tightly to this memory. So you know that Kathy can sing. I'm not that confident with my singing and neither is everyone who writes a swan song. There was a time when Ben was working with a lady who wanted her song to be sung by a woman. And at the time, Ben was doing all of this alone. He couldn't really sing a song in a woman's voice. So he reached out to a friend and asked her to sing the song instead. This was how the Swan Song Project Affiliate Singers Program started and Ben's team started to grow. Whenever I make someone sing, obviously, because it's quite hard to make someone sing. Um, mm. But I always encourage them to put their voice on it. And people generally... At the start, I'm not singing. But then by the time we finish the song, then they're like, all right, let's have, let's have a crack, shall we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we might sing it together. Or um, we've done a lot where like, we'll record two versions. So there'll be one version that one of the team will sing and then another version that they'll sing. And again, it's very much like, you know, we're not going to share this song with anyone without your permission. It's entirely up to them. So sometimes people will have a version which they want to share and will go on our website, which will be sung by one of us but then another version that will just be played for their families, which is their voice. And again, I always say to people, like, you know, don't think of it as like we're not trying to upstage Adele or anything like that. You know, it's not, it's not about <laughs> being a great singer. It's about your family wanting to hear your voice. So don't worry about how in it's tune you are or anything like that. It's just about your voice being recorded. Yeah. And also sometimes I'll just get people, people might just read out the lyrics and we'll record that. So the, I always love that so much because that's, Personally, for me, that's what I wanted to do my grandma, I wanted my grandma's voice. Mm. And I wouldn't care, you know, if she was in tune or not. I just wanted yeah, to, to hear her. I wanted to hear her, so yeah. I always try and emphasize that. But yeah, there's loads of options. So if we've set up little choirs before for people and stuff like that, and or we include family members, if you know, if someone's got a family member who sings, like, yeah. oh, bring them in, let's get them all in, and we'll just we'll record yeah. that. I would do ad libs you know <laughs> just so you know my voice is in there like just a few separate words at the end yeah. of the lyric <laughs> what's your favorite lyric or the funniest lyric someone's used on that one song <laughs> there's a song called shades of love it's a big favorite of mine in some ways for this man called vicar that with me and again he didn't know what he went to write about but one of the things he was interested in he was talking about how much he loved his family but how the love he had for his wife was different from the love he had for his parents for his children or the love he had for his grandchildren and, so then Emma came up with this phrase of all the shades of love, this one's for you. And I was just like, that's, that's, that's just beautiful. And like, it's so relatable, you know, like, I don't think I'd heard that expressed in a song before. In terms of a funny one, there's, there's been some really funny ones. But the first one that's come to mind now is this one that I wrote with, uh, with a woman. And it was for her grand, was it grandson or granddaughter. But we were struggling for quite a while with her as of what the chorus is going to be for this song. Yeah. And she said that whenever she'd sing at home, 
the grandchild would say, no singing Nanu. Yeah. <laughs> so she'd call her Nanu. No singing Nanu. So apparently they'd play band a lot, but Nanu wasn't allowed to sing. So whenever she tried, the grandchild was like, no, 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 no singing Nanu. So that became the chorus of the song, which I just thought was really funny that it was a song that she'd written where yeah. it was about her not being able to sing or the granddaughter not letting her sing. There's another one of uh, a song called How Could We Forget mm-hmm. that was again a granddaughter writing it for the grandma. And there's a lyric in that of, and we'd go to the shops and you'd always get lost. Because <laughs> apparently the grandma would always go to the shops. And she'd she'd always just... in the song. <laughs> <laughs> like she'd always just wander off. <laughs> and they'd always lose her. That one just made me laugh as well. <laughs> you'd think that swan songs would be sad, but they make people smile, focus on happy memories, and even send a little bit of shade to Nanu. Ben's also started a music and memories group. It's a place where people can request a song that holds memories for them. The group listens to it together and people say a few words about the song they picked. John Lister met Ben at a music and memories group in Rotherham. He lost his wife Maureen at the start of the pandemic. My wife Maureen was, uh, she was my soulmate. John is 78 by the way. His love story with Maureen would literally melt the coldest of hearts. Elsa wouldn't have been frozen if she had met him. We were both 64 when we got married. We had 12 years. I first met Maureen in 1984. I was a mature student nurse and Maureen was a, a staff nurse. She was one of my mentors on a placement that we had. There must have been a spark there anyway. I mean, because throughout my nursing career, I met many people. But, uh, you know, you you just went your own ways. But with Maureen, we always sent Christmas and birthday cards. And we, we went our different ways. We were both married. Then in 2006, there's a shopping centre in Sheffield. And we happened to bump into one another in there. I was divorced. Maureen was going through a divorce. Well, as they say, the rest is history. I've got no children. Maureen's got three. Well, obviously, they're adults now. But they all say that Maureen had the 12 best years of her life when we were together. And it certainly were the best 12 years of my life. So, John, I met at we've started something called what we call music and memories groups so he came to that and he was really like you know i mean obviously it's always gonna be hard but in the pandemic especially you know and the funerals with like limited people and things like that yeah everyone was else was playing songs in the group and i played a few songs from the project instead of the start this is what song song does we help people write songs and stuff like that and he was just like that would be amazing actually to write a song for her like you can see it in his eyes of like maybe i could write a song for maureen actually you know like and then we have done and again he did he did a great job with it again i think we took us a little while to figure out what we were going to say in it but then once we'd got a bit of it done, the next week he'd just like, so I've done a bit more work on it, Ben. He's <laughs> just written loads of these beautiful lyrics. Oh. It was so nice. I was extremely lucky. Well, in the last three and a half months of Maureen's life, she had 42 nights in hospital. The last day she had eight nights when there were no visitors. But then she came home on the Tuesday and passed away on the Friday. She was in my arms when uh, when she passed away. I was laid on the bed with her when she took a final breath. And that gives me so much comfort. She wouldn't have wanted to go, 
going any other way than, than in my arms. And I wouldn't have wanted her to go in any other way. John decided to sing his song for Maureen himself. It's not going to be easy. When I tell people now, I, it wouldn't take much for me to start crying, but it's important that I do do it. It means so much to me to do it. I'm just amazed at the words that I wrote have been turned into something. We're actually going into the studio to record John's song in a couple of weeks. going to come to Leeds and record it. And John's is quite a folky type song in a way. When we wrote it, we wanted it to be one that could be sung a cappella, so that, you know, you can just stand up and sing it somewhere. And the chorus is like everyone could pick up and sing along with. But also you could do it with a guitar as well. So that's the way we've done it. And the aim is to record a cappella voice version and the version with the guitar as well. Yeah. John hasn't decided what to call the song yet. He was thinking about calling it Maureen's song. Do you want to listen to a sneak peek of the lyrics? I often think of when we first met all those years ago. We were too busy caring for our true feelings to show. Then we went our separate ways, in touch we always stayed. And many years later we discovered for each other we were made. Then a chance encounter... Many years on, led to joy and happiness, with loneliness all gone. Things then moved very quickly, I think I led the way. Although you were uncertain, we quickly named the day. And then the best years of our life for sure, we had so much joy and pleasure. And now I just have the memories to nurture, cherish and treasure. Since the pandemic, the Swan Song Project has been doing their thing virtually, like the rest of us. The one thing that Ben misses the most is seeing someone hear their song for the first time. It's a magical thing, but that magic's lost when it's done virtually. You send someone a file for them to listen to, and they email you back. Ben misses seeing the looks on their faces. So that was always magic when a song would first be recorded. I used to always love the follow-up session as well. So like, you know, the week after when I'd see them, when they'd played it for the families and you'd hear what that was like. And I can't imagine what some of those ones must have been like. Yeah. Yeah, Alan's one especially. Like, he hadn't told his wife that he was doing it. <laughs> so then one day he just showed up and he was just like, here's a song I wrote for you. And she must have been like, what? <laughs> and then it was just like, it was just such a beautiful song. Just like John, Alan also sang his song for his wife himself. And Alan had motor neurons disease, which where people often lose the voice. Mm-hmm. And he was very nervous about that, of losing his voice. He was paralysed from the head down pretty much, but he, he kept his voice and he was really keen to sing it himself to get that recording. And we did. Ben had lots of chats with Alan about his marriage. Alan had clear memories of him and his wife saying, we can do this to each other. Lots of people want to have that message at the end of you being OK, because he was very worried about, you know, how she was going to deal with him within dying. And I remember when this came to us, it was one of those decisions where we'd sit there in silence for a while as we both kind of thought about it and processed mm-hmm. it. But the last chorus flips to you can do this rather than we can do this because it was about, you know, after I die. Oh God. Yeah, yeah, and it was when, when we were talking about it and, like, it felt so apt in terms of what he wanted to say, but it also felt like that's a really big, yeah, big, powerful thing to be writing about. Mm-hmm. You can do this. You can do this. You can do, 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 
this. I was sat playing the guitar with him in the chapel at the hospice. And I remember just being like, just in awe of him singing it and holding it together. And I was uh, like trying to try not let tears fall on the guitar strings. <laughs> oh my God. And am I right in saying that you bumped into him with his wife at the hospice before she knew that he had wrote the song? Yeah, so he hadn't told her that he was doing this. And then one day I was there and I saw him coming to, she, she was pushing him down the hall and I was there with my guitar and I was like kind of waved at him and I could see in his eyes, he was like, yeah, don't <laughs> let <laughs> She doesn't know. <laughs> and then I kind of like scurried off around the corner and I'm sure I heard her say, oh, who was that with the guitar? And he's like, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just friends with everyone around here. Some crazy man with a guitar waving at me. <laughs> did you get any training on how to, you know, obviously you're working so closely with people that are at the end of their life. Did you get any training to be able to deal with that or know what to say? No, not really. Just instinct. <laughs> yeah, I, I did do some uh, bereavement training day, maybe about a year or two into the project. But yeah, most of it was just, let's just hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> Try and figure it out as I go. Do you get like burnout or overwhelmed sometimes? Yeah, I proper burnt myself. The first year, I think it was, I proper burnt myself out. Because I think I was just being a bit knuckleheaded about it. And she's like, oh, I'll be fine. It's, it's all right. Yeah, I'm like that though as well. Like, I'll be like, yeah, this is all cool. And you're like, actually, it's not. I need to take a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a hard, hard realisation. You make different connections with everyone you work with so like say someone who I work with for one or two sessions then I might not see them again or someone who I might work with for six to eight sessions so like with Alan for example I worked with him for a lot of sessions and we went into a lot of detail about his life and I really got to know him mm-hmm. but then also after we finished his song he'd still come to the hospice so I'd still see him when I've seen other people and then I saw him deteriorate as his condition worsened and I got to know his family better and things like that so you kind of really become a part of that journey with people so then when people like that die then it hits you a lot harder than someone who you might not have spent that much time with mm-hmm. But I remember, this, yeah, about a year, a year or so in, there was three people who I was pretty close with that all died in the same week. And I remember it was just, oh and so again, things like that, cause, you know, there's no, you know, you can't be like, oh, well, this person needs to wait a bit longer for my, my yeah. grief. Yeah. It just all happened in this one week. But it took a while to notice that that was affecting me. Yeah. Like I'd find out, she was like, oh, I'm really tired today. I just feel a bit kind of yeah. this. And then be like, actually, you know, these three people that you yeah. knew pretty well have all just died in the week. Maybe you're grieving a bit. Maybe you need to take a bit of time. Yeah. So now I do try and be a lot more like aware of that. I think grief does hit you in different ways at different times. So I'm just trying to be a bit more on the ball of like, actually, I feel a bit weird now. Maybe that's to time do with to this. take a bit of a break. Maybe take a bit of a break or yeah, do something. I used to have a nice ritual of, um, especially at the the Bradford Hospice. It's got a beautiful chapel with a keyboard in. But I used to have, when someone had died, I'd worked with, I'd play their song again on the piano. And as I said, I'm not really a piano player, so the just it'd be quite a different version of the song but it made it quite interesting in a way because it felt like it was quite live again. So that was quite a nice little ritual for a while, revisiting the songs. I don't know if you've guessed this already, but Ben goes to a lot of funerals. He plays people's swan songs live for their friends and family to celebrate them in a very personal way. I don't know how he manages to keep it together when he does it. The first one I did, like, you know, the coffin was next to me when I was playing this person's song. And it's like there's there's all the normal practical elements you have of any performance. You, know, you get a little bit nervous and you want you make sure your microphone's working and you don't want anything to go wrong like yeah. that. You can't really look at people in the crowd when you're doing them because you see them them getting upset and then and I'm also I'm always just you want to do the song justice. You're like yeah. hey, I don't want to balls up the verse. Yeah. <laughs> I get something wrong in it. Gotta be perfect. Got, you feel like you've got to get it right. How to describe Ben's relationship with grief? I'm not sure if I can put it into words. Ben's definitely got a better understanding of grief since starting the project. My understanding of it is that it's very hard to understand and that it's very 
different every time. So that's my main kind of thing. What I think I've learned about it is, is trying to just be in tune with yourself, I guess, and being aware of if you feel a bit different, that might be what's causing it. Kathy's relationship with the grief she has for her father is complicated, as is John's. But one thing they both agree on is that writing songs for their loved one has helped them. It's a work in progress, but it certainly has put me on the right path towards healing and coming to terms with him not being around. Yeah. It's helped me, but with what's been happening with Partygate, I cannot come to terms with the fact that at Maureen's funeral, there could only be four other people there and me, and grandchildren were stood outside the crematorium. And uh, at two o'clock on the day of the funeral, I was back here on my own. I can't come to terms with that, and I never will do. And so the songs helped me in that way because it's helping to keep her alive and keep her in as the focus. My heart breaks for John. I can't even imagine what he's been going through. Kathy's family loved her swan song. Her mum and brothers listened to it over and over. But Kathy won't do the same. Because I know the song so well, I try not to listen to it. Because then it makes me want to cry. Because he doesn't like it when I cry. It feels like when I listen to my dad's old voice notes, it's the same feeling, so I don't listen to the song. Swan songs are personal, meaningful, and some of them should come with warnings that they will make you cry or feel a type of way. You know that Ben started the project because he wanted his grandma's voice on a song. Lydia Nichols came from a musical family just like Ben's and wrote a song for her daughters in the same way Ben wanted a song from his grandma. Ben felt like the Swan Song Project had come full circle when he found out how the family went on to make the song a part of their lives. They had music sessions that sounded very similar to my family's music sessions. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to write a song and she wasn't a musician herself. Same as my grandma wasn't a musician and such, but just liked being around having a sing song with people. So it was, yeah, it felt very much like this is what I wish my grandma could have done, have written a song for my family to play at sessions. Mm-hmm. We wrote this song together and her brother actually came and helped out with, I think he helped out with a chord sequence and I think he helped with the last verse as well. But then we recorded it, we brought in loads of the family into the hospice and so I was just sat there recording it. The two daughters both sang and her brother played guitar and and it was so good. Uh, it was such a special occasion. And the song was called Appreciate Life. So again, it's one where it was like, it was a real message of like, appreciate life as it happens. I'm still in touch with that family now. And they do what I imagine we would have done with my grandma's song. When they get together, they get the guitars out and have a sing song and they always play their mum's song. And it's just really sweet. And it's, I love that. Yeah. I feel emotional now. You know what? I think I would do a swan song DJ set and it would be like funky tech house vibes. Just really happy. I think my granddad would have loved to have done one. Maybe I'll do a DJ set for him. What do you think about a swan DJ set? So I DJ, I don't sing. I don't want to write a song. 
But I would do a good DJ set yeah. that everyone can listen to. Yeah. <laughs> Have a branch out into doing that. Yeah, yeah, I'm all up for that. <laughs> I think that's more down my street. Yeah. My family would love that. <laughs> and I just talked to them halfway through. This is the next song. Yeah, and that's it. And that's one of the things that I like. That's really nice about it. Is that like it's meant to be really organic. So again, say so if I met you in that situation, and that was what you wanted to do. It's like cool. Let's do that then. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's yeah, if someone wants it to be a rap or whatever, whatever kind of way we can use the idea mm-hmm. that suits that person. And like you say, like then the family will be like, that's them. Yeah. That, that's what's important about it as well. Like, I don't want them to be like, oh, it's a nice song, but it doesn't sound anything yeah. like what well, that person would like. It wants to be like that's exactly the way they would say it. Oh, that's yeah. If I sang a song, they'd be like, oh, I'm not sure about that. If I did a DJ, I'd say that's definitely her. <laughs> so before you started swan song did you have a funeral song i didn't realize this was a thing but apparently people think about what songs they want to have at a funeral i don't think about that (laughs) i don't think there was one that i would have said personally i remember there used to be a joke about people always saying they'd have survivor by destiny's child players (laughs) (laughs) or staying alive by the Bee Gees or something like that is a comical one and I also, I mean, I've got a clear memory of one of Springsteen's, I think it was like a, an assistant or something like that, someone in his crew anyway, um, called Terry, died, and he wrote a song called Terry's Song mm-hmm. on one of his albums. And I remember this was way before Swan, so I remember hearing that thing, like, that's just amazing that, you know, this person close to him's died and he's just written this amazing song about them. And then, like, now I know about this guy and how special he was. That was years before Swan Song came about. Yeah. And also, the, the year I started Swan Song, Leonard Cohen died, who was one of my big heroes. Mm-hmm. And David Bowie died, and both of them did like farewell albums in a way. Both of their last albums were recorded when they knew they didn't have long left, and they knew it was going to be there. Like, so I remember both of them just being like, "That's just amazing that like the the, the dying and no, they don't get long, but like I'm just going to finish this album so everyone has it to listen to." Like, my message, yeah. Yeah. Bands reframing grief and people's feelings towards death and funerals with songs that leave messages for loved ones say goodbye and keep their memory alive. There's a focus on celebrating people and their lives. When I was younger, I always used to think that death and funerals were sad times, which they are sad times. But when something happens, and when particularly the older a person is, well, I tell you, for anybody, it's a celebration of their lives. And being able to sing something upbeat about somebody you're focusing on the positives. And while there's sadness when it does end, we've got to be grateful for the times that we've had with people. Sometimes people aren't only writing songs for their friends and family. Sometimes they want to leave a legacy behind for anyone who wants to hear it. Most commonly it's for family members. Yeah. But a lot of the time there is also like... Oh, I want it to be for these people, but I'd also like people who don't know me to maybe learn something from my experience. Or sometimes it's like, I want other people who are dealing with this illness to know what my experience has been like or things like that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's really interesting with it, and we were talking about this might be part of how we should start framing it to people is because it is a gift in a way. It's like, it's a very generous thing to do to go through that process yourself and express yourself and then let other people learn from that. Yeah. At the hospices, especially before the pandemic, it's happened a lot of like, could we play it for the other patients? So they can see, you know, this is my experience and it might help them and things like that. And people generally love that. It's like an act of service in a way rather than being something just for them. It's like this might benefit other people. Yeah, I love that. People are so afraid of end of life and what that's going to be like. But if we've got this library of songs that are written by people in that stage of life, it's such a kind of insight into what people are going through. I bet for other people listening as well, like a song's quite a comforting thing because I know when my family members 
have been going through that kind of thing they want to google things and it's not you don't want to google it so if there was a mm. song to talk about like you know how they dealt with it or what they're going through it would just be a much nicer way to not even get more information just to feel like your questions are answered a little bit mm. or is the way that i'm feeling right and that kind of thing yeah and yeah. i think that's lovely what ben is doing is so necessary and it's so easily understated until people have an experience of it and then they realize how necessary it is. This whole process has taught me to respect life and not just heal, but be a really strong support system for my mom, my brothers as well. Because when they heard that song, I think it did something to them. Because my mom said she kept playing it over and over and over again. One of the big things is that I think, like, it's amazing people's strength of character in the most difficult times. You know, like some of these things where you think, I just have no idea how someone would handle that. And then they do. <laughs> you know? And I guess it's that spirit that people have to deal with the most adversity. And you think, like, I, just, I don't know how you would possibly deal with these situations people have got. Mm -hmm. But then they do, and that they, they still make the best of it, and they still want to do something positive. And that's what I just find so inspiring. Like, when I show up, and like, do you want to write a song? And they're like, yeah, cool, sounds good. Let's let go write a song. <laughs> and also, I think like it's not being afraid of people in those situations, which seems to happen a lot when someone gets a diagnosis. Like they say that you know a lot of their friends and family don't know how to deal with it, and so they just Avoid disconnect. It, yeah. Whereas like obviously they're still people. They still sometimes want to talk about the favorite flavor of crisps or what's yeah. on TV and stuff like that. Like it's not like you just have to have serious conversation as well. If anything, they appreciate other conversation and other things to think about because so much of their life will be worrying about their illness and about the treatments and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the music is such a useful thing as well, because it's such a good way of bonding with people and just being there and being willing to make an effort with someone is really appreciated because a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people will just retreat. Did you always feel this way or do you think that the project changed your sort of relationship with grief and death? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so I, remember I would have been terrified of it before. Like, I remember my one of my uncles died when I was about 18 or so. So that was the first time I went to a hospice, not knowing what hospice was. And my mum saying that he'd gone to the hospice. And I was like, okay, he'll be all right though, won't he? And she was like, no, no, you know, that's kind of, that's end of life care he's gone for now. And I remember just being like, oh, and it really hit in me. And I, I've got a really clear memory of this. Of, I remember getting there, it was at Wheatfields Hospice where we work now, and they showed me into his room. And yeah, my auntie was there, and I think my mum was there as well. I remember like, I couldn't say anything, I was just, because I was just, yeah, I was just in floods of tears. I was just sat by his side, so he just kind of held his hand a bit. He was, again, he was non-responsive at that point, but we all believed that he knew we were there, and it would have meant a lot to him to know that people had come to see him, even though yeah. it was difficult. And Yeah. I would have felt very different about it before. Yeah. And now I guess one of the things I do like about it is that when people get terminal diagnosis or have lost someone, I feel like... I can reach out to them and offer that support, which other people might not feel as comfortable doing because they have got a lot of experience in it now. And what kind of legacy do you want Swan Song to have? My dream for it is like, like it just kind of becomes a part of the culture. So everybody just has a song. It's just, yeah, it's just like an accepted thing of like, you know, when you get into the end of life, you'll make, you write your will and you do stuff like that, but then you're also going to write your song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just love the idea that you're in a future generation might be like, oh, do you want to hear my dad's song? Oh, oh let's hear my granddad's song. One of the things I love about songs is that, you know, we're not going to run out of space for them. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not like we've got a limit of how many songs we can have in the world. Because, you know, 
you can just keep writing them. And, I, and I, again, I love music being inclusive and music being for everyone. And I do really like the idea of everyone having a chance to express themselves in writing songs. Regardless if they do it with us or not, I just want people to be doing it and yeah. there be all these songs out there. So that's 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 what I'd really love. <laughs> and then if they want to come to us for support, we'll do that. But if not, they can just do it themselves. Imagine a world where every single one of us had a song of our own that said everything we wanted our friends and family or anyone listening to know. Songs about our truths and our lessons for a better tomorrow. Ben Buddy Slack and the Swan Song Project can make that happen for all of us. Thanks to the players. The National Lottery players, not the players you see on dating shows. They raise £30 million a week for good causes like the Swan Song Project. And that's where Amazing starts. <laughs>